0: This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to Realtor.com forward slash profile. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Adam Hergenrother. He is the founder and CEO of Adam Hergenrother Companies, which includes Livian, among several other real estate, construction management, development, and leadership training companies. He is also an author and fellow host of a podcast called Business Meets Spirituality. Adam, welcome onto the show. We're so excited to have you.
1: Allison, it's an honor. Thank you. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. People don't realize how much time and energy goes into putting these things together. So I'm sure all your listeners and friends out there uh, appreciate all the work you do. So I just want to say thank you to you.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and right back at you. It's always nice when I have fellow podcasters that come on because they kind of know how, how it goes. Yes. You know, <laughs> you, you know what it takes, you know, to put on something like this. So I, I always enjoy having fellow podcasters. Outstanding. On. So, welcome on to the show. Before we get started, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of the guests who join me on The Real View, which is since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen?
1: The best one. Wow. There's two that came to mind. I climbed Kilimanjaro one time and that was a, we were up there for sunrise at 20 plus thousand feet. And it was, it was also the event three days to get up there. So it was a legendary and we all cried when we were up there. So that was a kind of a magical moment to, to be there. And then I've just, I, I, I'm a mountain guy. I live in the mountains. And so I scan the mountains every morning. So I've said just amazing sunrises on top of mountains. So any mountain view would be mine, but I would say Kilimanjaro takes it.
0: Oh, I love that. I actually had a friend who climbed it last year. She went on an all-women's expedition up there and her photos and videos and stuff, I mean, you can't even d- describe. And I'm sure it's different in person, <laughs> but it was it was so gorgeous. And you're right, just the whole experience of it all, the exhaustion and you can't breathe and you're like dirty because you haven't showered and it's just like Yeah,
1: the funny thing is about Kilimanjaro, it's actually not a really hard mountain to hike uh, in terms of like the actual technicalities of mountain climbing, right? Like it's, you know, I think people that are Sherpas, like, I think the fastest person that ran it would did in like eight hours, eight to 10 hours, some guy ran up it. So it's not technical, but it's the altitude. Really, when you get above 15,000 feet, I didn't know how my body would respond. And it's literally, when you start getting into that 18,000, nobody's talking, That's all I remember from the thing. Nobody's talking because everyone's trying to you're trying to breathe. And what people don't realize is it's not that there's a lack of oxygen up there. The oxygen level is the same. It's the pressure to put oxygen into your body is what the barometric pressure drops to like 17 or 18 at that point. So that's why people are taking very deep breaths. You're trying to create pressure to get more oxygen into your body. And that's what makes it difficult. (laughs) I just tell you this funny story about it. It's actually hilarious. We, I went with actually three of their friends that are in real estate and we're hiking up. And at one point, my buddy had his oxygen level. It was like, it dropped below 80%. And typically above, below 80, they turn you around. But he was like, no, it's, we're going, we're going up to the summit, we're going to make this. At one point, we stopped. Again, we were probably, we were close to the summit, but you're going slow at that point. And it was still somewhat dark, but we did, we scheduled to go and ascend the summit on a full moon. So we were above the clouds. So it was a full moon. Nobody needed any lights. It was right there.
0: Oh, that's
1: cool. And all of a sudden, our guide, I just kind of look up and he slaps my friend as hard as he can across the face because he was starting to pass out. And it was like the loudest slap you've ever heard. Oh, my
0: gosh. And I was
1: like, you know, you're in your own world trying to breathe and all this stuff. And all I hear is like this slap, <laughs> the loudest you can hear. And he's like, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. And he was like, what, what? He really did. And then at that point, I looked at my buddy and we started getting worried for my friend and he actually had to be carried off the mountain. He summited. We all cried because it was such a, especially for this guy to get him up there. And all of a sudden there's two Sherpas grabbed him and said, you need to get down. They put him over their shoulder and they carried him down the mountain. By the way, that's the worst part about climbing Kilimanjaro is you spend, I can actually see why people die coming down Everest all the time because you know people don't die going up Everest. They climb because you're so close, you're so there, you want to push it and you get up there and then you realize you have to come down. Yeah. That's like, you're like, well, hold on. Right? Like <laughs> I thought I we always, were done. <laughs> I thought we were done. You know, I always equate this to like real estate deals. It's pretty easy to get the contract signed, but then actually getting through everything. It's like all the deals fall on the way down. Right. That's the same so thing true. with like, climbing Everest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good analogy. I never, I never thought of that, but, but no, that's so true. It's just the beginning when you get to the top, right? It's not the end, you got to still,
1: exactly. still
0: get your way back down. Like, no helicopters coming to come pick you up no they're not no
1: you are on your own you're on your own
0: thanks for yeah that that little interesting conversation about about mountain climbing and i always love asking this question because i just get to like learn a little bit more about the person so yeah thanks for sharing speaking of learning more about the person i kind of want to know more about you how you got started in your real estate your company what you kind of do there give us a little background and history on you
1: when I was 15 years old, up to that point, I was about hundred pounds overweight. I was failing classes and I was in the drugs, kind of like that role model student you wanted your, your kid to hang out with, right? And I woke up one day and as a freshman, and I realized, and I don't know why, I don't know how it came about. You know, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives. And I just had this overwhelming, booming thought that like, this was not the life that I was going to live. And so I stayed up all night and just started using visualization at that time, right? To really kind of, what do I want my life to look like? Just asking deeper questions. And fast forward, I ended up losing hundred pounds that year. I started becoming into sports, which is why we're so into helping kids with sports because it really helped put me on a new track and kind of gave me in the right way. And so I really kind of turned my life around at that point. And then you fast forward- I got into college. I bought my first piece of real estate, by the way, as a sophomore in college. I was living. I chose to live at home, but I bought a first piece of investment property. I bought it in two thousand and three in 2005, I was renting it out. And apparently I didn't realize it's timeless. You shouldn't ever, if you're in the condo association, they had a rental cap and I was renting it anyways. And I had the tenant's name on the utilities. And apparently so you don't want to do that anyways, but uh, they ended up calling my note. I've never had a company call a note or heard of it, but CTX mortgage, if you remember that back in the day, they went out of business during the, the, you know, the depression for real estate, but they called my note, which was wild, but it was such a, I thought, I wonder why everyone's in real estate. I You buy a piece of property in 2002 as new construction. It's worth $70,000 more now in 2005. So I ended up selling it, made some decent money off that. But what happened was I ended up paying a commission. And I remember looking at the HUD statement going, this person basically made more money than me in like the entire. I was making $30,000 a year or $32,000 a year as an underwriter. And I was like, what is going on here? And so I ended up in late 2005, early 2006, quitting my job and then getting into real estate, which of course, that's when all the markets were collapsing and people thought I was crazy, including my own parents. And essentially, I just refused to listen to anything and surrounded myself by more intelligent individuals and followed models and systems that people have left before. I put three homes under contract the first, I think, 22 days I was an agent. I didn't have an office. And I remember showing up at that. I was with REMAX at the time, the first REMAX monthly office meeting. And I remember people coming up and like, what happened? What'd you do? And I thought I actually did something wrong. And I didn't realize that like, people just don't do three transactions a month, specifically in the first 22 days. And I remember asking somebody, well, then what do you do all day, right? Because for me, I literally, when I started out and for the first three or four years of my real estate career, I just made this goal of just making sure I get an appointment a day. And I didn't know what that meant. I just, I would, I would lead generate for 10 to 12 hours a day. I enjoyed that phase of my life. I worked a lot, but it was really fun, right? I really enjoyed it. I was making money. I was putting it back into people. I had hired my first assistant in the first kind of 40 days and teams are a thing now. But back then in 2006, seven, eight, nine teams weren't really like they are now. And so anyways, we started building companies and then I started a construction company. I opened up the first Keller Williams office in Vermont in 2010, got to know Gary Keller really well at that time. And I started spending every month I would fly down and spend a couple days with Gary starting around 2010 or 11. And then really where things got interesting is in 2012, when I started to expand my team, which seems more commonplace now. But we really, back then, Allison, we called it duplication, which is really what I took If you live in Vermont, which is where I live, there's more cows than people. So your economic opportunities are very limited in terms of if you want to grow a big business. And I had already become the number one agent at the time and up in Vermont. So I was looking for like, I was kind of just bored, to be honest with you. And I was like, well, what's next? What can I do? And and we went and did this whole duplication thing. And when I started that, I had people telling me I was going to go to jail. This was wrong. and You can't do this. And all that stuff that people say, no, you know, it's really interesting. If you just look at real estate in general for from 2010 to call it 2020, 21, 22, this whole team thing just really kind of came online. People started, it was like the sexy thing to do. That's where everyone the money was going to make, which is really not necessarily true you know, this whole thing of like team console, everyone started building teams, right? It was like, how many agents can I get? And they, they're they in between a brokerage, in between team, they got frustrated with their brokerages because they were providing more value. And just all these things came online. And I think towards the end of the 2010 decade, so 2019 or so, 18, what you really started to see, Allison, was all these people who built teams were exhausted. They didn't really know how they built it. They didn't really know how to keep their agents. They were always on edge of, are these agents going to leave me? How do I retain them? They want more things. Because they didn't really approach it from building a business. When I got into real estate, I actually, the first thing I did was approach it from building a business versus becoming an agent, which I was, but I was really more interested in building businesses. During that time, we expanded and ultimately we ended up, I think today we have teams in 40 states. We have, you know, about 80 teams right now that are all within the Livian brand. Again, we power, think about Livian as an organization that basically powers the team, right? It's not necessarily powered by, we're partners, right? We partner with you. We provide HR, benefits, training, modules, and we really, and and I'll stop talking, but we answer basically, four questions, right, for people, which I think no matter what size your team is or if you're an individual agent, these are the four things you should ask. in this order, particularly right now, is how do I make myself or my agents more productive? I.e., how do I get them more deals? How do I make them more efficient? How do I save them more time? The number two thing is, especially if you're growing a team from there, is how do I keep my agents, right? Which is how do I keep the agents that are with me? How do I retain them, essentially? Number three is how do I attract and grow with the right agents, not just the number of agents, with the right agents. And then the fourth bucket, if you will, is like the general marketing, training, coaching, HR, benefits, financial analysis, ROI, making sure you're looking at business, all that in that bucket. And then a fifth is culture. And so if you, can, if you have an organization, you kind of look at those five kind of metrics of your business is starting with, do I have a, a solid, proven, repeatable plan to make agents more productive? And that agent could be you, right? It could just be a single, it could be you as an individual, but that's where you start. So specifically right now in the era that we're in, in the industry segment of time, where we're going through a more challenging economic in terms of real estate, when you're doing 4 million sales, 3.9, whatever that ends up being this year, that has to be the only question. And for three years when they were dumping cash on the side of parking lots and you could grab it, it was very easy to not do anything. And now you wake up and you literally, what we instill is behavioral change with our professional agents. If you want to be a professional agent in today's market, you have to understand the market. You have to understand the dynamics. You have to put time and energy into it. And you have to treat it like a job, right? We have these, what's called the four agreements that we have for Livian, which is essentially our playbook into productivity. And the first one though is is so critical, but it's so interesting in our industry is to show up. If you took a job anywhere, what would be the first thing that you would do and you would show up? Well, so many people, This is paradox of entrepreneurism where they wanna come into the business and yet at the same time, they want the freedom. But the funny thing is, is they want the freedom before they have the discipline. And in order to be free, you have to have discipline. So I always say discipline equals freedom. So if you wanna have financial freedom, you have to be disciplined for a period of time to build up the financial freedom. If you want physical freedom, you have to be disciplined enough to eat properly or exercise. If you want freedom of time, you have to be disciplined for a period of time throughout your day in order to have that freedom later on, right? So that's the first thing, right? It is just kind of that that show up mentality of what it is. And, and in our era, it's if you're not willing to do that right now, then you're not necessarily going to succeed or it's going to be a really challenging year for you. Okay, I'm going to stop.
0: No, I think this is great. I was like, we got three more to go. Don't stop. You said three. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, tell us more. Yeah.
1: So the four agreements, so the first agreement is you have to show up. The second agreement is you have to do your two. And so what we, we make, it's kind of our North Star, Allison. So we basically say every week you have to hold two, appointments. And we define what an appointment is, right? So an appointment basically is not, you saw your friend at Starbucks. It's not somebody in an elevator. It's not somebody who asked you how expensive this house was. This is an opportunity as we define it as an opportunity to present a buyer or seller, a contract, right? A listing or a buyer agreement. That's what we consider an appointment, right? So the do the two. And so where the math comes in from this, because I think the path is always in the math. If you don't have a path, it's because you haven't done your math properly. So if you look at it, if you just did two appointments as we define an appointment per week, let's say there's 50, it's not, let's say there are 52 weeks in a year and you you took four of those weeks off. So that's had 48 weeks. If you did two a week, that's 96 appointments. And according, according to the MREA, the millionaire real estate agent, right? If you convert 75% of those, that ends up with 65 signed buyer or seller contracts. And then you convert 70% of those, which ends up with to a pending, which ends up to about 50 pendings. And if 10% of those pendings end up closing, you end up with 45 deals per year. So if you want a North star as a way to kind of keep yourself going, in our, in Livian, we call it the do the two, we have t-shirts that say do the 2 or a company of productivity. It makes it easier and more fun when you're winning to do other things or focus on personal growth, specifically when you're doing that. So, do the two is design. If you do a two, the paths and the math, you should end up with somewhere around 45 closed transactions a year if you hold that. Now, of course, you can do four a week, right? We have single agents on our in Livian doing over 100 transactions. And we have some agents doing, you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 who choose to do those different things. But if you want to do the, of course, do the two, that kind of hits that 45. The third one, if you think about the the four agreements and all this stuff, the third one is all about reporting your numbers five out of seven days. It's not hard, it takes three minutes, but reporting your numbers five out of seven days is specifically for two reasons. Number one, and it's a dashboard. You can do it from your phone. We have our proprietary tech set up and all we track is four things. Did you sign something? Did you sell something? Did you set an appointment? Or did you close a property? That's really the things that we're looking for that you track. And it takes three seconds, 30 seconds, a minute or two minutes to put that in there. But here's the trick. When you do this, most agents will like to just make a check mark if it's in Excel or pretend they have it in a contract. In our world, you actually have to add context to all this. So like you can't put somebody in there unless it's actual real contact that won't record. So then what we do is that each team Every day we have a roll-up scorecard and it shows you how many people signed something, sold something, set an appointment, or added somebody to your database. So those, those are the, sorry, those are the four things we we measure. So every day our team sees that, and then that rolls up into an overall Livian one. So we see the visibility, and it also gives you perspective for two reasons. One, as an individual agent, if every day you're recording zero zero zero, at what point do you wake up and go? I either need to do something different. I need to ask for some help or maybe I shouldn't be in real estate, right? Like there's one of those things should show up in your head. So that's part of that self-accountability because you need that self-leadership before leadership can instill. So anyway, so that's the third. And the fourth component of the agreement is, is that you add at least five people to your database once a week. And the reason why that comes in, if you look at the 12 to one ratio of MET database, if you have 240 people in your database and you systematically feed and tend, we use that word specifically tend, like if you just planted a garden and never tended to the garden, it would just marginally succeed at maybe producing a few vegetables. However, if you tend to that every day, the garden's much healthier and it produces a lot more fruit, not necessarily fruit, but you know what I mean, like it actually produces a lot more vegetables from its from its the source of the garden. It's the same thing here. If you and Livian has a proprietary what's called Canary backend system which increases the conversion of all the stuff that we do. So when you put a database in there, you unlock it. So the goal is to make sure that each individual agent has at least 240 people in their database, which again should produce around 35 deals a year purely from that and having in your database. So those are the four kind of agreements that when you come into living and that you agree to that you're gonna come in and do.
0: This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-license course locations.
1: Home sellers can be sued by buyers even if they did nothing wrong. When a seller gets sued, so does their agent and broker, and that's just not fair. Home sale lawsuits don't happen on every transaction, but when they do, they can be devastating. Seller's Shield is so proactive, we resolve 94% of our clients' disputes before they become a formal suit, keeping everyone out of the courtroom. Protect yourself with Seller's Shield and get the peace of mind you deserve.
0: Looking for a stress-free way to manage your investment properties? Do you want to save your business time and money? If so, you might think about trying property management software like Rent Ready. Rent RentReady simplifies the entire renting process, collecting rent, listing properties, signing leases, and managing maintenance. With our software, you can easily manage multiple properties from a single dashboard, post your listings on popular real estate websites, track rental applications, and automatically collect rent. Tenants apply and pay rent right from their phone. Ready to give Rent Ready a try? They're offering our listeners the six month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code Ohio1, Ohio One, Ohio in the number one, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. Hearing all this, it just goes back to your point about like the productivity and making sure you're getting the most out of your agents. And this seems like just such a great way to try and get that.
1: Right now, that's what matters. People need leaders and they need people focused on their productivity and also telling them the truth. You need to be a professional, and we use the word professional a lot in, in, within Livian, because that's all I mean by professional. It's not necessarily what you wear. It's professional means that I show up, I treat this like a job. And jobs can be fun. Jobs is not a negative word. I love what I do, right? It's not about a negative connotation. It's just, I'm not gonna show up and think that I'm just gonna do a couple of deals a year. I mean, again, there's always gonna be part-time age. That's fine. However, let me back up. So anyways, I also think though on that comment, I believe the industry is, in a shift. For a while, there was billions of dollars poured into thinking technology was going to outplace the agent or kind of make them irrelevant. And billions of dollars poured in here and it did not happen. That's why you're seeing Zillow going back to just referring to agents and trying to take part of their commission for selling leads, which is essentially what they're doing, which is a smart business model, right? Which is what they're doing. So now, What is going to disrupt the agent? I think it's the per agent productivity. You, when you think about Livian, we've got probably do seven or 8 billion this year in volume and it's a team. But what we are is we're a high performing team, right? So every agent averages 2.24 deals per month, right? So when you're doing that, how do you get that 2.24 to three, then four? So we have a five-year vision of making our agents the most productive agents in real estate, all averaging at least five transactions per month or 60 per year. I think the next iteration of real estate is actually the disruption model that is going to happen through agents, but by making them much more productive and allowing them to do more deals with technology's aid, with AI help with efficiencies and systems. And so now you're seeing, again, you think of like Livian is this space that exists between a brokerage and a team, and it makes agents more productive. It makes team owners more efficient and productive in what they're doing. It helps somebody else running their business. So they actually turning a much higher level of profit. Because I got to tell you, Allison, we see p day from all different brokerages. And most people that have big teams are making less money than they did when they were just an individual agent working full-time. And it's because they, they just don't know what moves to make. They need models, which is why whether you're Keller Williams or anywhere brokerages, those brokerages or even you know, Long and Foster or Coldwell Bankers or those type of divisions, they make more money because there's models there versus you see like an individual mom and pop kind of brokerage show up, they don't as much. And the reason is because there's the model systems that you people can follow. And I think that same thing is actually happening. If you actually think about this for a second, the 1970s, before REMAX and Keller Williams really came into the scene, Century 21 was really a big team. Everybody wore the gold jacket. Everyone had their name on the rider on the sign, but everyone went back to the brokerage for leads, service, transaction support, the MLS book, all of that stuff. Now, for the last 30 years, we've iterated, you know, Remax came in, Kelly Williams came in, all these the EXP came in, these dis- disruptors came and changed the industry. Now what's happening is we're actually coming back to this iteration of making agents more effective and efficient so they have more time and are doing more deals so that they can service their clients with much more expertise.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. And you mentioned a lot about the technology. I know I've read so many articles that have come out lately that have said technology is going to take away this job. And in reality is it's not because you can't replicate the relationship aspect of our job and what we do. And I think that's what really is going to be so important as we navigate this new world with AI and in chat, GTP and all that kind of good stuff. I want to hear a little bit about your approach to leadership. And you mentioned, you know, kind of how you run your company and, and some of the things that you all do there. And you mentioned kind of what we need now is strong leaders. And it may not be strong in the sense of what we are thinking. So tell us a little bit about your approach to leadership, about what we want from our leaders these days and kind of how we can be the leader that's needed in today's times.
1: Let's start with defining what leadership is. You know, leadership is not an abstract concept. It's not a corner office, it's not a title. Leadership is purely about getting others to take a new level of action that produces a new result in their life that's a benefit for them in the company. It's just clear like leadership is not a concept or an abstract. Leadership is a verb that actually gets people into action that benefits them in the company together. So then I always work backwards from there. so for me, I believe before you can be an effective leader, you have to have self-leadership. And so in my life, you know, I wake up between four and 4.30 every morning, I meditate, I journal, I exercise, and then I do some things with my family. And then I get into my day around 8, 8.30, and I read, you know, a book or two a week, I'm really focused on my own personal development journey. I mean, that's really, really what my life is about right now. Specifically right now is about how much better of an inner experience can I have? Anyways, that's a side note. So self-leadership has to precede leadership. I also like to think of self-leadership as you ever notice there's, if you set out to go lead generate every day for 90 minutes, when you, maybe you do it for the first day or two, and then ultimately, there's this starts to be this pull inside, right, that starts to pull you away from what you know you should be doing. It's almost like somebody's lassoed you in there and pulling you off it, trying to convince you to not do the activity that's there. And there's a voice that talks to you. There's emotions that go along with that, that you're all feeling. So emotional fitness, as it relates to leadership, is actually being able to withstand that pull that tries to distract you from what your goals are. Self-leadership is actually overcoming that voice inside your head that says no, right? That tries to derail you from that. You can apply that to anything, whether that is showing up and being present for your kids or your partner, that could be making sure you show up to the gym every morning if that's your thing. There's always a key domino that has a cascade effect in somebody's life if they can do it. Meaning, what is the key domino you need to do every day that has a waterfall effect for the rest of my life? For me, it's that personal development routine. So leadership is, if you think about getting the action and leadership is about making decisions, then our work product is decisions. So you wanna work backwards to make sure you're as clear as possible to make the best decisions that you can. I also think in terms of leadership, it's about being humble. It's about being able to see and being very clear in what that is. If you talk about actual traits, look, it's easy to go and say what leadership is, but I like to spend a couple minutes before that actually explaining, even people that are in leadership roles, they go, what is leadership? What, is, what do we actually do? It means getting others to take a new level of action. So if you want your agents to be more productive, they have to get into a new level of action. So how do you best do that? which means you are getting into a new level of action. You're bringing a new level of energy. You're not getting riled up in your emotions. You're not flowing off the handle. You're able to see things clearly for what they are. You're making more better decisions in your life. The thing is with business building is it's not that usually one decision geometrically changes a company. It's every day a company making a 5% better decision than somebody else. And in five years, geometrically, that company is way further ahead. So that's the the leadership component of, how do I show up today? That's a decision. Do I allow open feedback? You know, I hear this so much in business where I think one of the most important traits in in leadership is is actually being able to have radical conversations and transparency. And people say that, but I think what really people mean is they convince themselves that they hear a little feedback to the point that it starts to maybe hurt a little bit, but then they shut it off and they've convinced themselves that that's enough. And they go on stage and tell people that, of course I'm open to transparency. Of course I'm open to feedback because they buy into, I'm allowed, I allowed 15% to come in. Radical transparency is really being able to sit there when it's really uncomfortable hearing something about yourself, but then willing to make some changes that benefit the organization that gets the whole organization into a better rhythm, which produces a bigger result for the whole organization in itself. So again, leadership is not a concept. It's a verb and it's about getting into action. It's really about then at the end of the day, if you want to think about it from like a a standpoint of being radically open, which is fine for you to do. But really, you have to be willing to take the action from things that you hear and not just have some lip service that sounds good on a podcast or that sounds good to your team at an annual event.
0: And not take it personally, too. You know, when you have these conversations, it's so easy to like internalize it and like take it to heart. But really, it's not even like that. It's not supposed to be like that. It's just supposed to be, you know, constructive, productive ways that, you know, you can make your business better by just listening and having those transparent conversations.
1: It may feel personal. And I think the key to this is, is like when sometimes when I and I totally agree with you but just to give a little more context in that, because sometimes I'll say that and people will ask me afterwards, they go, well, you say not to take it personally, but I take it personally and go, great. So what you want to do is you you have to be in there. How do you know you're taking it personally, right? Like, how do you know? And somebody would say, "Was well, I'm in here knowing that I take it personally. That's the objective awareness you need to have on leadership. So you go, "How?" wow. This is a great example to how to use this in a meeting. The other day I was in a meeting, somebody was bringing some feedback to me and I started getting really irritated. And I sat there and I go, man, your comments really irritated me. They really jumped in and I appreciate them. I'm just, I just need a moment to make sure I'm not responding from anger or irritation because you're absolutely accurate. Just my ego did not like the hearing this. And so it's it's about bringing this out into the light so that you go, wow, I am taking this really personally right now, but really what Allison said is right. They're just trying to help the organization man, there's a problem within me that I'm taking this personally. Right. So it's being able to see it for the way it is. And so it's not about trying to get rid of emotions. The emotions are part of your human experience here. Right. I mean, that's you, you get to feel all these things. Maybe you haven't felt jealousy for 10 years and all of a sudden it shows up. And you're like, well, well, there, I haven't seen you for 10 years. Thanks for coming back. Right. Like you just become objective in looking at and well, think about it. You don't have to be in psychology to understand this. If you just pause for a second, realize that you have this ability inwardly to tell the difference with the subtle variations of energy. For example, if somebody comes in and says, well, Allison, you know, I'm really angry right now. And they go, well, hold on, I'm actually irritated. Now it's moved to frustration. Well, how do you know, like the subtle differences? Now we've just labeled those irritation, frustration, or anger, but you're in there feeling this wave of energy, this new force, and you can feel the subtle differences between what you're experiencing. But it's not you, you're not anger, you're not irritation, you're not jealousy, you're not frustration, you're not scared. Those are things that you're experiencing. But as long as you know that you're not them, it allows you to be more clear as a leader and make better decisions. And that's really what people are after in today's leadership, is they're looking for leaders who are willing to go down that path and work inwardly and outwardly at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Well, Adam, I think this was fantastic. And what a great insight into a little bit of your world and how you approach things and a little bit on how we can be better people, better leaders, better agents. This was so fantastic. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on.
0: And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We wanna hear from you. Email us at podcast at Realtors.org We'll see you next time. There's a better way to back office, and that's with Brokerment. Get complete visibility into every transaction and manage them all from one dashboard. Automate commissions, organize financials, reduce compliance risk, onboard new agents, generate reports and dashboards in seconds. So if you are ready to handle every back office task and bring your teams, tools, and data together with Brokermint, visit brokermint.com forward slash Ohio Realtors. Plus, see how you can score 50% off of the implementation fee. That's brokermint.com slash Ohio
1: Realtors.